Riley Murtha, and I'm your host. This is Life and Shit, your weekly safe haven away from all of the artificial bullshit going on out there, where we discuss what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve those things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to episode 777, my lucky number, episode number 7 of Life and Shit. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for all of your support. This has been so fun so far, and I am in love with this conversation. It went in so many directions that I did not plan, so organic, so perfect. You guys are going to love it. We go deep. I sat down with Karen McCullough of the West Coast Reiki Center, co-owner of the center, and we talk all things Reiki, energy healing, and so much more. Karen has been a massive part of my journey when it comes to spirituality and personal development. I also did my level one and two Reiki certification with Karen. So I'm so happy that she said yes to coming on to the podcast, and I can't wait for you guys to hear all of the good-ass shit we talked about, so let's get into it. So here's Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, Riley. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking so forward to this conversation. Um, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you, what you do, and your journey. How did you end up here? Well, my name is Karen, and I am co-owner now of the West Coast Reiki Center, and it's been a long journey because I certainly never intended to become a Reiki practitioner, let alone a part owner in a center. I always have thought Reiki was just going to be a little thing I did to help myself get over a breakup or two or, you know, traumas in my life. Um, But as the world has changed over the last 15 years, and particularly over the last year, uh, it's shifted into a place where that's become possible. So in my other life, I was an English teacher and ESL, which meant that uh, students from all over the world were coming in to learn, and that's kind of stopped now. So my business partner and I have bought the Reiki Center, and we are now taking a lot of it online and looking for a new space. Mm. And that's basically how I got here. So that's the, the sequential physical journey. So have you been practicing Reiki for 15 years? I have. So I took my first Reiki class in 2005. Um, and I didn't really practice after that. And then I took another one a couple of years later and didn't really practice. And then I took another one. And then I took the Integrative Energy Healing Program in 2008 till 2010 or 11. And then I really started um, practicing and teaching and seeing it as a second career. Yeah. So kind of practicing more at the beginning. It was like when shit got stressful, I would give myself a break and then go back to regular life, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when you say that you took a class, you mean... 
Like, was someone doing Reiki to you, or is that when you started to learn about doing it yourself? You know, I never had a Reiki session before I took my level one. Oh. I don't know why. I, I, I had, had been playing around with energy uh, with friends, kind of, and then decided that I'd like to learn it. And so, yeah, I took a, my level one class in 2005 and had my first session a year or two later, actually. Oh, cool. That's interesting. It is. And so anyone who's listening who doesn't know what Reiki is or doesn't understand it, how do you explain it? That's a good question. I still am not really um, adept at explaining what Reiki is because it's beyond language. So I usually say, well, how about if I just give you some? That's not really possible in this scenario. So Reiki is universal energy. And what I teach and what I practice is a system that comes from Japan. Um, that was developed by a man named Mikao Sui. And it is the energy of all that is. It's, it's universal energy. It's everything that's been created and everything that dies and everything in between is Reiki. Um, and so anger as well as love as well as fear, all of those things um, are a part of Reiki. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. What does a Reiki session look like? Like for someone who might be interested in doing it, but has no idea what that entails. Like if you were in person, what would that experience be like? That's a really good question. Um, with me, it's it starts in a very similar way to a massage session, actually. So you're going to come in and we'll have a, a bit of a check-in and see where you're at and what you'd like to work on. Um, you get on the table, the difference is that you're face up when I do Reiki with you and then we do some meditation and deep breathing and belly breaths and then my hands basically what I do is I clear my energy field and a channel through me and provide a space for the person on the table to completely re relax and come into what we call homeostasis which means chill basically <laughs> come to the place of natural chill and then they are able to unwind and their own natural healing is able to to kick in mm. and my hands are sometimes on the body and sometimes off the body when i'm doing pure reiki um you might feel heat you might feel cool you might feel tingling there might be um images or memories that come up or emotions. I often weave in other energetic modalities as well and, and a bit of acupressure and stuff. So sometimes you'll get some pressure and we do some work on the abdomen. And then at the end, we guide you back into the room and we do some feedback, um, talk about what came up for you and um, I share what came up for me and then that's the end. Cool. Usually, and then you can text me because stuff usually comes up much later. And you're like, what, what was that all about? Yeah. And you know, text me if you want. Cool. And so what are people who come to you for Reiki, what are they typically looking to solve or gain or work on? For me? So this is interesting because both myself and my partner and actually everybody I know who does Reiki, um, have a different clientele that come to them and mm. the ones that are drawn to me generally are the ones who are working through things that I've either worked through and if I'm honest I'm still working through or um yeah basically things that I've worked through so relationship stuff often 
um, feeling, (laughs) feeling not good enough often for a relationship or not good enough in relationship. Um, the feeling of not good enough as well as anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety come that often leads to depression, but it usually starts with anxiety. And I think that the anxiety is often from the, um, feeling not good enough. And what happens with a lot of my clients is that they've created this wall and behind that wall, they're so exhausted from holding it up and they just want to let it down because their mask is getting heavy. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I like that. And I often have, cause I talk pretty openly about having anxiety and people often ask me what natural remedies I know of or rely on. So Reiki is a beautiful one and so powerful. Fred is your business partner, right? So what do people go to her to see? Like, what are some of the other things that other practitioners work on? So her people also have anxiety, but it's probably a slightly different type of anxiety. And um, I I would suggest that it's probably related to being a perfectionist. Mm. Um, She also works with a slightly older clientele, usually. and she does a lot more distance work than I do. Mm, okay, interesting. So she's she's more of an obvious introvert, if that makes sense. Like, so she she'll have people who are also obvious introverts, which sounds perhaps judgmental, but it's not meant to be. It's just people who prefer to take some space before they share, and so they feel safe with Fred because she gets that and gives them that space. Okay. How does distance work? How, especially now when everything is distance, everything, how are they able to connect and like, how, how does that healing happen? Good question. (laughs) I think I can tell you what I think and what my guess is. Um, everything in the universe is an echo of everything else. And I don't really believe anymore in time and space. And I used to completely roll my eyes at this stuff, Mm -hmm. but I don't. And so I actually think that distance Reiki has the potential to to be much more powerful than in-person Reiki because the limiting beliefs that you have, um, the ideas that you have, or the perhaps fear even of just being in the room with another person isn't there. And so it's basically an instantaneous shift in your energy that is happening um, on the other side of the world. Like it's like if, if there's, I think I've talked to you about this, like a guitar plucking the G string on one side of the room and the guitar on the other side of the room, the G string is, it's the exact same idea and it doesn't matter how far away it is. And there's, very little between those two strings. Whereas when you're in the same room, there's all your shit between the two strings that it has to go through before the unwinding or the healing starts to happen. Mm -hmm. Does that explain it? Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like? Is she doing her, is the distance, you probably do some distance too, right? Does that happen over the phone? Cause I know that that's always existed. That's always been a thing, right? Like doing Reiki over the phone and distance is it done on Zoom now? Uh, I think, you know what? I don't even know. I should know this, shouldn't I? I think she does it over the phone. She'll have like a, a 
definitely like a beginning interview, like chat about what's up. Mm -hmm. And then the Reiki itself is done silently. So I don't think that she has any um, Zoom or phone on. It's just she'll guide them into a a meditative state and then she sends Reiki. And then I think they do a check-in later Mm -hmm. on. And she also has been doing something called a Reiki journey, which is a much longer it, it's a journey. It's it's uh, a bit of a trip, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So she'll go through some preliminary stuff, and then she sets up an actual protocol f- for the person that's quite long. And um, it's it's been really powerful for people. And then she does a much longer post follow up with it. That sounds amazing. It is. It's it's like I mean you know the other types of journeys that there are available to us. Um, People have said that they're similar, so that's cool. Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm curious about um, like your past and kind of how you came from. Well, you mentioned that you were an ESL teacher, and now you are doing this type of work full time. And like, what has your kind of journey been like? You mentioned there was a whole non-physical journey that you have been on as well. So tell us a bit about that. Well, I used to party a lot. Same. to be honest <laughs> um and I had left the country because of that I was I was I went to Korea and Thailand for a few years um because my life here was a little wild mm-hmm. um and when I came back I started teaching in Vancouver and that partying still was a pretty big part of my life and um it was fun and you know what I don't regret one bit of it because it led me to the place I'm at now and I learned stuff yeah like I huge stuff um and in 2005 my dad got sick which meant that I started partying even more Mm. (laughs) to be honest Mm -hmm. and I was with a friend and she was teaching me about energy and we were using drugs and it was super powerful and we went out to a party that, that night and uh it was it was a interesting party it was I don't know if you remember I think it's called club 34 it was it was interesting so and I uh was in a space of everything is love and we all love each other and uh there was this guy sat at a table and he didn't look overly happy and um I crossed all kinds of boundaries and went over to him and started giving him energy work and he thought that I wasn't giving him energy work he thought I was hitting on him yeah and so he started hitting on me and I was like oh no 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 and then he and his friends all realized what I was doing and um he hissed at me like literally hissed and he turned around I'm not going to do this at you because and like that with his hand and he had a pentagram tattooed on it and it hit me like this in the heart and I went and it it was the best thing that could have happened to me, right? Because I was totally being disrespectful, crossing boundaries all over the place. I had no idea what I was playing with. Yeah. Um, and it scared the shit out of me. So I went and took a Reiki class because I was like, well, I think I should probably learn what I'm doing here. And yeah, you don't that want to mess with energy you don't, yeah. when you don't know what you're doing. I feel like that's such a, a huge thing. And, like, it's scary. And you, don't, you really want to trust the people that you're trusting to work with your energy, too. Like, you want to be... Absolutely. Really selective with the people that you're allowing to to mess with your energy, right? Yeah. Okay, that yeah, that sounds like a huge kind of wake up call. So that's what brought you to starting to learn about Reiki more in depth. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I stopped partying and stuff. I did. Um I continued for a while and 
then boundary work became huge for me because I, I realized that permission is huge that you whether it be energetic permission or actual verbal permission but also um it was it was beginning to exhaust me you know like it was my ego really taking over the actions that I, I was taking often when I was at parties or even in my day-to-day -day life thinking that I could help people and um you mm. can't you can't help people and so that was a bit of an ego slap in the face when I kind of realized that and had to take a big step back and again was good for me yeah. because it created a real acknowledgement that boundary work is probably the most important thing you can do no matter what type of energy work you're doing what type of work you're doing in this world I think that boundary work is number one for everybody yeah. And don't you think that's a common thing that happens to people when they start to work on themselves and start to explore the spiritual world or become like enlightened, then all of a sudden the ego comes up and we think that we're like the most enlightened one and we want to enlighten everyone around us and we want to save everyone and teach everyone. I feel like I've gone through that to a certain extent and I've watched people around me go through it. It's just like, I am now all knowing and I'm going to heal you all and I'm going to fix you all. And it's just so interesting because it seems like it's a pattern. Have you noticed that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, I so have noticed that. And it still comes up for me. Yeah. I'm really honest, but it also is something that I've had to bring compassion to because I'll see my new students pulling that shit and I'm like you guys but then you gotta remember yeah I did that I did I didn't think I needed to learn anymore and everybody has to go through it yeah and yeah you're right it's a big step and it's a kind of a amusing one to watch from the outside yeah. when you've already through it it's kind of wholesome because I feel like it comes from a place of just being really excited about it right like you yeah just it does share with everybody but it takes trying to share with people who aren't ready to hear it to kind of check you and be like okay I have to meet people where they're at and stop pushing this on everybody around me good point Riley meeting people where they're at and that can be so hard especially if you love them and you're like you can see you can see and um you have to just be where they're at mm -hmm. um and hold the space and hope that maybe they take the step towards transformation and if they don't love them anyway I think and that's tough yeah exactly yeah loving them unconditionally and without expectation of them being on a journey with you I think that's been a really hard part for me too is you change so much when you start to do this type of work and we talked about this a little bit before uh, we started the episode but my kind of self-exploration journey started with you in one of your workshops and that was the beginning of massive growth and massive change for me and all of a sudden I wasn't really aligned with a lot of people in my life anymore and that was really hard because I was trying to drag them along with me and get them excited about the things that I was excited about and start to shift their perspective and shoving it down their throat and <laughs> that doesn't work <laughs> no, no it, does it doesn't how did that go in the end did, did any of them were any of them curious you know what no not because I told them to be and I lost like people that I thought were my best friends and the relationship that I was in because I wanted that same level of, you know, engagement and excitement around personal development that I had. And that wasn't something that was interesting to those people. And they were not wanting to 
invest that in themselves at that time. So you just have to let that go. But it is kind of cool because I have had like many of my friends discover this kind of stuff on their own. Like it's the kind of thing if you tell someone to go do it, they're going to say no. But when the timing is right and it comes into their life on their terms and they're ready, then they do start to explore it. And so, so many of my best friends are on a really similar path to me, which is miraculous. And we always talk about how cool it is because they were my party friends. And I feel really blessed that a lot of my party friends are now like my spiritual friends too. Um, but no, like nobody's going to do it because you tell them to, because you think it's interesting. They really aren't. And I think that the fact that they were your party friends is, is not surprising, honestly, because I think that when we, I mean, I can just remember when I've partied and still do from time to time, if I'm really honest, um, we're looking for connection. That's what you're looking for in all of these places. And so, after a while, having a hangover or, you know, no. having dips in your serotonin level gets a little old. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Can't do it. No. But you're right. I think we're just looking to fill a void by partying and doing everything in excess. So it does make sense that eventually you're going to kind of get to that threshold of being like, okay, I can't do this anymore. What am I going to do? And it's kind of like a natural progression for a lot of people to like start to explore themselves and other things that are fulfilling and start to expand and I think it's really cool too because the people who like have had like a really rocky like party background and now are very spiritual and very in touch with themselves those are like the warriors because like we've done we've been through it all we've seen both sides and like I just have like such an amazing group of people that surround me and we've all have similar backgrounds where we've like been complete degenerates and you know we've been through <laughs> we've been through it all and now we're kind of coming out the other side and i feel like it just gives you so much strength and perspective oh absolutely i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more mm-hmm. and the nice thing about this type of connection is that you feel good the next morning you don't have to feel like shit yeah. in the morning <laughs> yeah exactly having that still having the connection with other like-minded people without all the self-loathing and regret and physical torture that comes along with oh it is the self-loathing and regret is oh oh, it's exhausting hey yeah I got to a point where like and I would be so hungover like I don't I didn't realize how much I used to drink until I stopped drinking and I'm so thankful that now I have a healthy relationship with alcohol and I can go out and have a couple drinks once in a while I still do like enjoy having drinks in moderation but there Uh was a time when I I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I knew I would get out of control it was always like I couldn't stop um and then I would be paralyzed the next day like absolutely could not physically move so ill and that was normal to me like I was fine spending like a full day in bed just recovering like which is so horrifying to think about now because I just can't stand not feeling a hundred percent. Like I don't do anything that affects me in a negative way. I don't want to eat or not sleep properly or do anything that's like limiting my potential day to day. So to think about like actually putting myself out of commission for days at a time is so sad. Like I wasted so many days. Yeah. I completely hear you on that. And I have a friend, actually, he was an old party friend who, um, this is years ago. I remember him saying that he had had his last hangover and he decided he was going to learn from this hangover mm. and he he's a huge um, energy worker and meditator and um herbalist 
so he he learned from his hangover and he let his hangover talk to him and um i can't remember what he learned but he managed to find glimmer even in the hangover and a lesson through the hangover which i was like yeah maybe find you like you know you can lose it you can you can learn through joy or pain like mm-hmm. yeah so that was his last painful hangover lesson and uh then i think he went on to joy because of exactly what you're saying it's just a crappy way to live yeah it's not worth it there's other nope. ways to feel like the high of and it's a whole nother thing to learn how to be present and to like be yourself without alcohol too that was like one of the hardest things for me was like I felt it was like a limiting belief honestly it was like I'm not fun without alcohol and I can't I'm never gonna like be social and have friends and like have the same level of fun I can't have fun without alcohol so it was like a whole kind of like learning experience and relearning how to show up in the world without like relying on something to make me funny and make me like able to be vulnerable so it was really like just peeling back the layers of all of the different things that I was relying on to feel comfortable just so I could be myself which is crazy completely I completely understand and the reality is is that actually I think I feel much more comfortable without it yeah once you get used to being yourself like I now when I start to drink I don't like that feeling of like not being myself anymore whereas I needed that before to function I completely, yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, it's like literally being outside of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people come to you with that same kind of path that they're on, like looking to escape the party life and transition into something new? Well, the conversation we're having right now is more honest than a lot of the converse. Like, I mean, not more honest. It's not that people come in and lie to me yeah. or that I lie to them, but we don't often go quite this, I mean, I would go this deeply with them after I'd seen them for a couple of times, but yes, in, in, I would guess so. Yes. Like when the root I, of it, like they're maybe not coming in and saying that and they might not be aware of it, but you kind of have people with this trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know, you kind of just know, right? You can, you can feel a person and you're yeah. like, ah, I'm pretty sure I know how you came to be where you're at. And I don't want to say that I'm projecting on them, but usually I'm right. And <laughs> so, so yes, in answer to your question, yes, I would say that a lot of people um, have been through this same journey that we're discussing. And also it's often combined with anxiety, right? Like people who have anxiety, um, are looking to soothe it in whatever way they can and alcohol and drugs helps to soothe your anxiety for a minute yeah and it makes it way worse way worse that, that's another part of it yeah the anxiety yeah and we, we we're not taught coping mechanisms so we're just doing the best we can we're using what we need to use in those moments until we figure it out another way and unfortunately not everybody figures it out another way but it's so cool to see the people that do come out the other side oh it's super cool Super, super cool. Yeah, the journey that they've been on and that we've been on or that I've been on, I mean, I I imagine that I I could have done it a different way, but I don't know how that would have looked. And so I I don't regret any of it. Yeah. Maybe one or two two little things, but not really. I don't. I, I think that I learned a lot and that it's a part of life, right? We're always looking to fill a hole. You're right. Yeah. And I felt, I feel the same. I didn't feel the same. Like once I first started changing my life, I almost had the same reaction to that where I 
I was so enlightened because I had figured out how to stop drinking and I was really like I had a really hard time with like not judging people who were drinking and that was causing other problems in other relationships because I was like well I don't know why you're doing that like that's just it just doesn't make sense to me anymore and I wanted everybody to stop drinking and it was just like a weird complex that I developed I don't I just thought that I had all the answers but it really just comes from wanting the best for everyone I feel like so when I figured out that I felt so much better not drinking I wanted that for everybody else but I'm very persistent and I'm very confrontational and very like outspoken about everything that I believe especially when I'm excited about something so it's it definitely is not always well received and I had to I had to figure that out the hard way and just learn that everybody else is on their own journey and you can't interrupt that and you can't force them to take a turn just because you are absolutely and honestly Reiki has helped with all forms of anxiety binding techniques that I've had you know like all sorts of them I mean it's not just drinking we've all got them Mm -hmm. including telling people how I think they could make their lives better so I think that that's sort of almost been an anxiety binding thing for me if you know what I mean like it's like okay the people I love are still doing the things that I used to do and if they're still doing them then it's going to be tempting for me to do them. Yeah. And that is the big, that's the thing, right? Like I was like, it would be easier for me to not do this if you were not doing this. So could you stop? It's like, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work yeah. that way. That's a good point. That's a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Tell us anything like super miraculous or fascinating that you in your experience with Reiki have, have seen or have watched someone go through. What are, what's your favorite Reiki story? Interestingly, actually, I've had a couple of students who had big problems, like bigger than the ones we're talking about, mm-hmm. with alcohol, who quit drinking. Wow. Completely. Yeah, so finding, like, sobriety through Reiki? Yeah, and I don't want to say that Reiki cures yeah. or any, but it, because, well, it's case of Disclaimer, our, yeah. <laughs> our code of conduct, but, yeah, I've, I've known that to happen with a few people. With, with addictive patterns in their lives where Reiki has shifted them through it. Mm-hmm. It's the big one. And then the other thing, it, it doesn't seem miraculous or sound miraculous maybe, but the amount of self-awareness that I see um, in myself, but also in the people that I work with that comes out of working with Reiki and with other energy healing modalities and meditation is mm-hmm. um it's a phenomenal, right? Like yeah. seeing that the the actions that they take, the choices they make are actually influencing the trajectory of their lives and then recognizing that and um, making different choices. That's huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. And that's the biggest gift you can give someone that's working with you is self-awareness. I feel like because everything changes when you start to get to know yourself and what you're doing and start to be able to take accountability and have more, clarity and what you're doing and what you're causing and what the reactions are to your action your own behaviors absolutely Riley really like really really and and doing it with compassion right like I think self-awareness needs to be done in sort of a detached way right like if the moment you get caught up in it seeing yourself and getting caught up in the way you're seeing yourself you're no longer self-aware because you get into that emotional Mm, turmoil you know what I mean But if you are able to see yourself from a distance with compassion as a third person, holy crap, things transform. That's reminding me of like some sociological, like the looking glass self or something that I learned about sociology. Yeah. Um, 
what other things do you do? Because obviously when I was introduced to you, we were doing a program that included so much more than just Reiki. So what other things do you offer your students? At the moment, it's it's mostly Reiki, but I also... So I took a program called Integrative Energy Healing that was offered through Langara College in Vancouver here. Oh, And okay. it was a three-year program that included all kinds of work, um, including Qigong and polarity therapy. But we also did work on, you know, like the inner child as well as shadow work. And it was a pretty hardcore three years. So when there isn't a pandemic, and even during the pandemic, um, we offer like classes on the shadow, classes on limiting beliefs. Um, we're wanting to get into offering more classes on different organs in the body. Like it's a, it's a wide variety. I was actually thinking about this last night is that we, we work with the whole spectrum. So from like the physiological functioning of your liver to the anger that comes up and is associated with your liver. Right. And so the body as, as probably anybody who's listening to this knows is holistic. Like it doesn't function in isolation. So we work with all of that. So we might do a whole session on the liver working with the physiology of the liver, as well as the energetics of the liver, as well as the um, anger that might come up through the liver. And then once that anger is cleared, the empowerment that can then come from that. So it's called like the governing, I can't remember what it's called in TCM, but it's the governor, right? It's your choice maker. It's your courage. Mm. Um, And once you clear the irritation and anger, it can be a real powerhouse for you. I always thought that was so interesting that the liver is connected to anger because I've always been a really angry person, or I guess I used to be a really angry person. And obviously your liver is affected by all of the drinking that we did in those times. And since I've stopped drinking, I'm significantly less angry. And I just feel like that's always like made sense to me, that connection and everything that you're talking about sounds fascinating. I also didn't know that Langara offered that program I've never heard of that that's actually they don't anymore oh that's I wonder why they, why not uh it ended at the beginning of the pandemic and I suspect there was that was part of the reason it went for a long long time because I wasn't the first cohort I started in 2000 and I don't remember when I started but it was at least more than 10 years ago and it had already been going for 10 years I think so yeah. there's quite a few graduates in the city and it's an unfortunate it's a big loss yeah. I think because there's nothing yeah. else like it is there well, there might be <laughs> soon, soon <yeah. laughs> but, but no, there isn't not, not anything else in Vancouver that I, in fact, I'm sure there are other programs in the world, but none that I know of. It was an amazing program and we had amazing teachers and we learned from all sorts of traditions from around the world. And we also had to learn the physiology of the body. And that's an important piece, right? Like I think people come and they take a Reiki class for one day and then think, they're going to go out and practice on other people. And first of all, I don't recommend it. Mm-mm. But secondly, it's, it's simply not true. There's so many things to take into consideration. And one of them is the actual physics of your body. Yeah. No, that sounds so interesting. I wish that it still existed. I would take it. <laughs> it's like everything that I want to learn about. Yeah, it's a bummer. I'm going to start creating some of, not obviously the same program, yeah. because I'm I couldn't even imagine that I would be able to because my teachers were, but some of the stuff that they taught Fred and I are going to develop into courses. That's so good. Yeah. We need that. We need more 
more of that available for people to... Oh, I agree. Yeah. And I feel like, do you think that the pandemic has created more of an openness and a desire for people to explore more spiritual, more things that might have been considered woo-woo? Like, people are looking for support. Absolutely. And they're not as afraid of... They don't care what they look like. They just want to feel better. And that's legit. So, so yeah, I think there's a lot less judgment and a lot less um, worry about what it, what it's going to look like if they, you know, discuss certain topics or come to see a Reiki practitioner or, I mean, it was, I think it was already moving in this direction. Yeah. But I think the pandemic has helped in a big way. Yeah. And people have more time on their hands and they're more willing to maybe get vulnerable because things are so hard right now and right more willing to explore themselves because they didn't have time before yeah because self-exploration isn't for sissies first of all and also it's not like it's just like okay I'm going to sit down and do this for an hour tonight and then I'll move on to you know yoga class no it's like shit comes up and then suddenly you're knocked out for a day because something really painful has come up and you're dealing with trauma and then I mean it's it's a process right and then you feel good and you're like oh good I'm done and then really actually you're not yeah it's like a long integration process just because you learn the material like I mentioned to you the first time I met you was the first time I learned about the inner child shadow work limiting beliefs which I'll be forever grateful for and it was very eye-opening in that moment but I feel like it took me years of learning the lessons and reminding myself and going through it and going through it and reminding myself and hearing it again and repeating the stuff until I I'm still definitely learning but I'm it stays at the top of my mind now and I'm much more aware of it and it's taken me years I don't even know when that was like probably three years ago to have that more readily available in my toolkit and be something that I go to right away. You know what I mean? Like it's like a, a practice thing, like anything else. It's like a muscle that I had to develop. That's an excellent comparison. It's a totally like a muscle. And if you have got more time to build that muscle, which we do right now, yeah, then uh, it gets stronger. Yeah. Learning about my limiting beliefs was shocking to me. Like I had never heard about that. I had never considered that. And realizing that I had all that running through my mind and like driving almost everything in my life was it was depressing kind of but it was like a moment of huge a huge shift for me do people often experience that do you find that people have new experiences or like they're hearing that for the first time and it's really monumental for them it really depends I actually used to bring this stuff into my English classes because I taught the super high levels that were like, basically they spoke English Mm -hmm. and they were young, you know, 17 to 21. And I remember in those classes, sometimes people having these moments. What's interesting about people coming in, like actually choosing to take a class is that it's sort of like when you go to see a counselor. So it's like you go in and you're like, yeah, I I have this issue that I want to deal with. Um, but I'm actually smarter than you and I know what process you're using and I know what you're, I know where you're going with this. And so it's not going to work. I don't know if you have ever done anything like that, but I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sometimes people and often people come into self-development classes with the same sort of mind frame. Yeah. Well, I already know that. And in those cases, not really, but Yes, some people have huge shifts like you're describing. 
they really do and that's because they're ready and they're brave because you're right um it's empowering and it changes your life and it's depressing for a day or two or three yeah can be and I liked what you said about it not being for sissies because that's something that I've realized too because it's like why isn't everyone doing this and then it's like well people aren't doing this because it's really hard and it can be really painful because you're really going into those wounds and unpacking it all and laying it on the table so that we can sort it out which is so fulfilling and so rewarding but it's not easy it's really really tough to face that shit head on right so absolutely it's tough to face it head on and and it, it, we can't do it alone you know like it's impossible to do alone I think yeah good point most of the wounding that we've had, well, I would say all of the wounding we've had in our in our lives has been in connection with people, whether that connection be healthy or not. It's it was some sort of connection, and so for that wound to transform, it also has to be done in a connection with a person at some point. You know, like we can do inner child work, but until we practice that transformation that's happened with another person, it doesn't really set. I guess, for lack of a better word, if we don't feel brave enough to, to practice it with other people, then it all is just theory. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it takes a lot of bravery to practice in real life. Yeah, for sure. And you're, you're doing it and I've, I'm doing it and it's not easy. No. And it kind of never gets easier. I've had moments where I'm like, I wish I never started this because now I'm aware of all of this stuff and you know, everything is just so much bigger and you're aware of all of these like negative emotions and all this stuff that you were running from and avoiding for all those years. And it's like, you can never go back to that numbness and that oblivious state that you had when you were just drinking and partying. Like it really, you you can't run this now. And obviously those moments are fleeting where I wish that I had never started. And there's been so many moments where I'm every day. I'm grateful for where I'm at in terms of my mindset and my life, but it is kind of a a realization that, there's no undoing. It's like opening a can of worms. Like you can't go back from it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I remember one of my very favorite teachers said to us that, sorry, you guys, but once you step onto this path, you can't step off. And they're mm. like, what? I thought we had a choice. And she's like, not that. <laughs> you're, you're here now. And it's so true, true. Really? Like, yeah. It's scary, but it's also like so worth it. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and it's less scary when you develop a community, right? That, yeah. Yeah, no, it makes such a big difference. And it just seems like the further you go down the road, there's just more and more people. Like I just keep discovering these little pockets of people in the city and even outside of the city where people are doing exactly what I'm doing. And like all of these high vibe people just like trying to feel as good as they can all the time. And it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. It is. I agree. (laughs) And trying to feel as good as they can by also feeling shitty. Yeah, right. And so, so I'm not trying to, I'm not, because we want to feel good, right? But the only, there's, I just did, the reason I'm saying this is because I just did a post, oh. I haven't posted it yet, basically saying that, you know, good vibes only is sort of a... It's like toxic positivity, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. It, it And it blames the victim sometimes. But good vibes are the result of doing all the work and feeling all the feels that you don't really want to feel. Yeah. And that's interesting because that's something that I've been thinking about a lot during the pandemic because the spiritual community is different when it comes to the fear surrounding the pandemic. And it like, you know, it's just all about being positive and kind of just like trusting, right? So where, like I've been trying to navigate the line between 
being positive and trusting the universe and like being irresponsible and trusting and you know what I mean so it's like I found that very interesting over the last like six months especially as people's perception of the pandemic has started to shift and things are starting to potentially move back towards normal it's like where is the line between the law of attraction and just like knowing that everything's going to be okay and then just like really being ignorant I'm not, really good I'm not asking you for an answer on that. I just, <laughs> I just think it's something that has come up for me and it probably applies to everything, not just the pandemic. But I think that ties into what you're saying about good vibes only. It's like, yes, good vibes, 100%. But like, you also need to stay grounded to the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And not all of uh, that is rainbows and unicorns. Like, we have to accept the darkness and the light of everything that's going on and I think that ties into something that I think I want to ask you too is like you talk a lot about shadow work and so for people who aren't familiar with what shadow work is what does that mean shadow work is basically the pieces of ourselves that we deny exist so the pieces of ourselves like say for example you say you're not a jealous person well more than likely if that's particularly if that's become a piece of your identity that I'm just not a jealous person more than likely you've got a massive massive jealous streak in you that you're ignoring and you're putting it in the shadows and putting it in the shadows and when you shine a light on it underneath that jealousy first of all you you may discover where that jealousy originated from and it might be a completely legitimate reason like it's often I would say always um intertwined with inner child work right so it could be something like as a child your mother actually did like your brother better that's not my situation she liked me better but (laughs) (laughs) anyway but it's it's an actual something that actually happened to you and when you pull that root out the energy that was feeding the jealousy will transform into its opposite or it will it will become something that fuels you in in a forward moving kind of way whereas when you keep putting it into the shadow and denying it and filling it with hate it just keeps rearing its head and biting you in the ass mm-hmm. so it's it's brave work mm-hmm. and it's work that's looking at the dark spots that you pretend don't exist right so it does kind of tie into that same thing of not only being good vibes like you have to look at those dark places in order to really show up like authentically Absolutely. It's about the balance, I guess. And I, it's almost like that yin-yang. Like it's, I saw something recently oh, exactly. about being the darkness in the light and the light in the darkness and all just creating wholeness within us. That's absolutely right. And that without the darkness, there's probably no beauty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like Fred talks about um, planting a seed. I mean, I'm sure she's not the first person to, to say it, but she uses it as an analogy a lot. And I think it was the first time I'd heard it where you plant a seed and it's dark and it's cold and there's a ton of pressure on that seed. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it starts to germinate and comes up and up and up and up and up. And then when it hits the light, it explodes. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of like the work we're talking about, right? Like it's this dark, damp, murky place and it feels like a ton of pressure and it feels like nothing's happening but actually inside there's so much happening and then suddenly it starts to sprout and then it gets to come out into the light and it explodes and becomes a you know a giant oak tree yeah have you heard the analogy about the bamboo 
that just reminded me of that. There's like, I don't know if it's all bamboo or just some bamboo, I think. Um, but it doesn't grow for five years. Like you plant, or maybe it's not five, but I think it's five, but you plant it and it does nothing and you think nothing's happening. And then it grows like a million feet, like overnight or something. I'm exaggerating because that's who I am. But... Actually, I had totally forgotten about that one, but yes, I have. It's a good one. Yeah. Like nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then all of a sudden it's like it, everything it's been growing these massive root systems underground the entire time. And then it's like, bam, it all just like explodes and shows, shows itself. And I feel like that is such a good analogy for like working on yourself. Cause sometimes it just feels like, what am I doing? Why am I torturing myself? But it is, it's like, you appreciate the good so much more when you resolve the dark, right? Like when you can go into those things. Cause I think that's what drives a lot of like cyclical behaviors. Do you agree with that? Like for me, trying to avoid my, my darkness and my wounds and just like staying in ego and being like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like that's when you get stuck in like those toxic cycles of behavior. Oh gosh, you're so right. And it's exhausting trying to hold that container of everything's okay. Don't look, don't look over here. Everything's fine. It becomes rigid first of all, and exhausting Yeah, because you're holding this, space and it gets smaller and smaller because you don't want anybody to look and you don't want to look at it yourself it's it you're right absolutely right Riley it gives you more space it gives you more options and it ends cycles yeah you got to take your power back when you're brave enough to look at that stuff and figure it out which is something that you have definitely helped me do so oh well that makes me really really happy to hear but you did it and I'm really happy to hear I was a part of it yeah a huge part of my my path to where I am today. So that's a big reason why I wanted to chat with you today. Cause I am just so appreciative and I think you're fascinating and have so much knowledge. You put me onto so much stuff, like so many of these concepts for the first time and they've been with me ever since I heard them. Thank you, Riley. It's been a really fun chatting actually. Yeah. I have one last question for you. Do you, Go. do you consider yourself intuitive? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that something that comes up for you a lot? Because I know one time, like it was months after I met you and I had one, of, I was having one of the worst days of my entire life. I was suffering from a, it was already after I had stopped partying and I was away for the weekend and I was like really like trying to honor like what I knew for myself that I didn't want to party and I didn't want to drink, but I was away with like a group of, I don't know, like 15, 16 people and the first night we, I was good. Like everyone was drinking games and I like took my book and my crystals to the bath and I was like doing my thing. And I was like, I can be here and still like be fun. And then like have my night and like still honor myself. And then the next day everyone was going to a brewery and I was like, I don't want to come. It was the middle of the day. I was like, I don't want to come. I'm not interested. And they were like, we're not leaving you here. Like, come on, let's go. And I ended up going and day drinking And that like spiraled as it does. And we got back to the house and I don't know, we were all having fun. It was fine. But like, I, I often would black out when I drink and I would be a very like normal functioning person, like very high functioning. And it didn't really seem drunk, but I just wouldn't remember anything. And I guess I tried to, it was like a, a UFC MMA injury that I suffered. I tried to like play fighting. Attempted to rear naked choke my best friend who was about half a foot taller than me and I went over her shoulders into the hardwood teeth first and broke my tooth off my front tooth 
and was like literally like a, it was like a hillbilly tooth like I was so drunk and so upset and it was like a rock bottom moment for me and that was the last time probably that I ever got like really drunk and I had woke up in the morning and or like didn't I didn't wake up because I never slept I was so upset and we were on the sunshine coast we were like in seashell so I had to take the ferry back I didn't even drive I had to walk onto the ferry with my face all swollen and my like missing a tooth and my eyes all swollen from crying and like it was just like such a low point and I hadn't talked to you forever and I was walking onto the ferry and you texted me and you're like hey is everything okay I just thought of you and I feel like there might be something going on and I was like whoa (laughs) she is so good like she's she just gets it like I was like I have no idea how you knew that like we hadn't spoken a word and the timing was just impeccable yeah I First of all, I completely remember that, 100%. And in fact, you texted me what had gone on, and then I responded. I remember, I remember it, and it, it inspired it. It inspired me in a way. I mean, it didn't inspire me, but it. I was like, oh, I, I, first of all, I remembered feeling that way, and being in the same place you were at, and um, I'm intuitive when I'm on the same path or something as another person and I I can feel them you know yeah what does that feel like like you just was it just you thought of me in that moment or like what does that intuition feel like when that you have something like that happen yeah that was for that one it was I just couldn't get you out of my head I just couldn't get you out of my head sometimes it could be a dream sometimes it's like a, a feeling in my heart when the person's actually in the same room as me I can just sort of see it not like literally see it, but I can just read, read it on, read things in their energy or something. I mean, I, I, I want to be cautious about what I say because I don't want to sound like arrogant or like that I'm in my ego, but I asked you. (laughs) Yeah. And, and when I'm on the table, I, I, my hands just tell me where to go too. Yeah. Having said all of that, I think everybody has intuitive gifts and they just need to start trusting them and then they'll reveal themselves even more. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like what kind of advice would you give to someone who feels like they might be intuitive? Like how do you tune into that and how do you really pay attention to that? Like you mentioned dreams um, and then just like having those feelings. Like that day was so crazy to me. I still can't believe it. I always tell people about that and like that's always part of the story because I – that story to me now is funny, but it like obviously wasn't funny at the time. No, it wasn't funny at the time. It felt horrible. I could feel you, I think. Yeah. That was um, one of like the worst, like the worst days. Like I just felt so lost and it was, it was almost more painful because like I didn't honor that feeling that I had of like not wanting to go down that road. Yeah. Like I like knew that I didn't want to party or drink or get like that. And then it was like the universe, like one last like kick in the ass to be like, this is not for you. Stop living this way. Like, what else do I have to do to you? It is, that's exactly what it is, hey? Is it when you knew and you did it anyway. I've been there. Um, and as far as advice, trust. start trusting it and checking it. So, for example, had I, had I sent you that text and everything was fine, you could have just responded and said, oh, yeah, no, everything's all good. And I would have gotten different information. Um, I would never you know, text somebody and be like, Hey, did you just have a fight with your boyfriend? Cause I can feel that you just had a fight with your boyfriend mm. because that's invasive, invasive and shitty. Yeah. But Hey, just thinking about you, how is everything going? 
it helps you to check in on your own intuition as well as check in on the person that you're thinking about. Yeah. Good point. That's the big one. Yeah. Just starting to feel that out and see like, oh, is this, is there something behind this? Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And making sure that, that in the end, yes, the yes or the no isn't going to have uh, any kind of repercussion, you know? So you make sure that the question that you're asking has as little charge as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting too. I was talking to someone about that earlier today and we were having a conversation how sometimes people just ask things because they want to make sure that you're not doing well. Like they want to confirm, like if they have a suspicion, they want to check in just to make sure that like maybe something is finally going bad for you or something like that. Like there's like an ulterior motive. So definitely when my friend said that to me, I was like, that's fascinating. I've never thought about it that way. Like, cause people, sometimes you'll have random people pop up and say this or ask this about social media stuff or whatever. And it's like, Oh, that's interesting. But when we do it, like, what are your, what are your intentions? Like, are you just being nosy? Are you like hoping that like karma's getting someone finally? Or like, <laughs> like, what is the motivation? Like, why are you asking these things? Why do you need to confirm what people are going through or what does that mean? What did that post mean? Like we always want to know that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, that person's going through something. Like, let me find out what that's going on. Totally true. Yes. Yes. To all of that. And, and also the people feel it, right? Like if you're asking with sort of shitty intentions, even if the shitty intentions aren't conscious, the person's going to feel it and it's not going to deepen your relationships. That's for sure. Yeah. So true. Mm -hmm. So true. Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me and for sharing all of that. I think this is going to be a really informative listen for anyone who's curious about exploring energy healing, might not know exactly what it's all about and how it can help. So I really, really appreciate your time and you coming on. It's been so nice to catch up with you. Riley, it's been a pleasure. Lots of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. And again, thank you for everything that you've done for me over the years, like it, you've been a massive part of everything positive that has shifted in my life since I uh, met you. Thank you. That makes me, um, thank you. I appreciate you so much. And I hope to see you in person soon. Me too, lovely. Okay. And in a, in a new space. Yeah. No, I can't yeah. wait to hear about it. Oh, and yeah. of course, where can people find you? What? what oh, right. Um, so, www.westcoastreikicenter.ca and will you put that in the I'll put that in the show notes so they can just click on the link yeah definitely okay. and um, on Instagram and Instagram West Coast Reiki Center at West Coast Reiki Center Center is with an R-E okay and uh, on Facebook at West Coast Reiki Center amazing okay that's it that's all definitely check out the West Coast Reiki Center. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it interesting. Maybe you could relate to some of this. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it, subscribe to the podcast, share this episode with any of your friends or family that you think would find value in this type of conversation. And until next time, goodbye and good vibes. Thank you.